everyone, I'm Dina. And I'm Charlotte. Welcome to the Grim Curriculum Extra Credit. Hello. Hello, hello. Happy Sunday. Hello, friends. We're excited for this episode because we fully acknowledge that the last episode was really depressing and we got a lot of messages about it that we ruined a lot of your days and don't (laughs) worry, um, we ruined ours too, so we are right there with you. We're going to change it up a bit today. Yeah, I always like to remind people by the time we listen to it together at our Saturday YouTube premiere, that's usually like the third or fourth time I've listened to it. So if you're feeling bad about the episode, I've heard it four times. Right? (laughs) Now, our stories today, we got a nice mix of things, I feel like. We're still keeping it pretty damn grim, but uh, we've got some fun stuff today. So I hear we're starting things off today with an update. Yes, and it is a pretty grim update. For those of you who listened to the last episode of Extra Credit, episode 21, we talked about Kevin... Kevin, that's not his name. Was it 21? Yeah, this is 22 now. Oh, shit. We talked about Kenneth Eugene Smith. He was the first man about to be executed in Alabama by nitrogen hypoxia, which has, up until this point, never been used as a method of execution globally. They did execute him on January 25th, 2024, He was 58 years old, so they did go through with it in the end. There were, like, many appeals and stuff. His lawyers kind of fought till the end to try and prevent it, but in the end, death did not escape him. I'm looking at his mugshot, and he looks so happy in it, and it's just really, like, messing with me right now. Yeah. uh, Yeah, that, uh, how did it go? Um, well, there's kind of varying reports. I've read some places that... People thought it was pretty grim. Apparently, he held his breath for about four minutes before finally succumbing and breathing in. It was a mask over his face that had full 100% nitrogen pumped into it. And so basically, your body is starved of oxygen. The idea is, or at least what the state kept saying was, that it was... It was guaranteed to be a humane way of execution, more so than lethal injection, which, as we talked about last episode, lethal injection is becoming far less common because pharmaceutical companies are not willing to sell the chemicals necessary for it. Right? They'll sell you oxy, but uh, they won't put a guy to death. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So yeah, he was the first one to go by nitrogen hypoxia. His last meal, which was eaten about eight hours before he was put to death, was steak, hash browns, and eggs. He received a final visit from his wife and sons, and then his spiritual advisor, Reverend Jeff Hood, told the Associated Press that Smith was at peace, despite his fear of the risks of execution by nitrogen hypoxia and that he had basically accepted what was about to happen. I mean, you never want to be the guinea pig when it comes to this kind of thing, do you? No, but I will reiterate again like I did last episode, this was not the first time that he was put to death. It was just hella botched the first time by lethal injection, but they couldn't get a vein 
after four hours. It makes me think of like, you will hang by rope until you are dead. Because back in the day when they would hang you, if you somehow survived the hanging, that meant that you were fine, you were let go, and they would let you live. Yeah, famously in um, the Frankenstein movie, which is a little bit different to the books, like the old 1930s black and white one, Mm -hmm. um, I believe it's either Frankenstein or like the son of Frankenstein. Igor famously has a broken neck but they can't come for him because he's like, no, you hung me until my neck broke. Not my fault I survived. Yeah. You know, uh, that's loopholes and stuff, but... None of those for this guy. No. So the nitrogen gas was administered for about 15 minutes, and he was officially pronounced dead about 25 minutes later. It appeared that death occurred around 10 to 15 minutes following the administration of the gas, they figured he stopped moving at about 8.08 p.m., and that was 11 minutes after the activation of the nitrogen system. Unfortunately, here's where, like, that all sounds very peaceful. It does. Here's where it gets a little bit less peaceful. Some witnesses commented that Smith looked as if he was conscious for several minutes, and then he thrashed violently on the gurney, breathing heavily for several minutes before his breathing was no longer visible, and then he was later pronounced dead. And they said because he held his breath for so long that when he finally started to breathe the nitrogen, that's why he was having a bit more of a aggravated response to it. Ugh. But they said any convulsions that happened, they claim, they being the state, claim that that was normal and that he was actually not conscious for that, but I mm. will leave that up to you to decide. I don't know, man. Just, like, if... If I went on a mass murder spree in, like, a state where this kind of thing happens, or whatever, I did something bad, I don't know, I'm being executed, whatever, mm-hmm. shoot me in the head. Yeah. Get it done. I stand by what I said last time yeah. as well. Uh, firing squad sounds great to me, honestly. Yeah. Don't I don't need this experimental brand new shit. We don't need to get fancy. A bullet, that's it. And I mean, that sounds terrible, but wouldn't you all want the same Yeah, I would want it to be over as fast as possible. I don't want any of this dragging out shit. And in fact, the first time that he was set to be executed, that was just back in 2022. So it took a little while for it to come back around again. Unfortunately, that wasn't enough time for his appeals and whatnot to go through. The governor of Alabama was like, no, this all sounds good to me. She would not grant him clemency from it, so... I always think about that because we obviously don't have the death penalty here, but man, it makes things complicated. I don't agree with it, obviously. I mean, there are very few people. We've covered some people. I say Danny Rowling is a great example of this where, like, he should just always be dead. They should have killed him right away, and they did. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just the state killing people. I'm not going to get too political with this, but... I don't like it, and I don't like the new experimental ways of doing it, but uh, if they're going to do it, at least it was relatively quick, kind of. Although 15 minutes compared to a bullet, once again, I sound like I'm repeating myself, but it just seems simpler. I think 15 minutes is a long time to sit and wait for death to come for you. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, I will remind you guys the reason he was on death row in the first place. He was convicted of the March 18th 1988 murder for hire of Elizabeth Sennett. He was hired by her husband, Pastor Sennett, to kill her for an insurance payout. Yeah, not good. Um, Basically, Kenneth was the last person involved with that to die. 
the other person that was accused of her death was also executed a few years back, and her husband killed himself about a week after for being a suspect. How so very pastorly of him. Right? Not not looking good, sir. <laughs> that is the update on Kenneth Eugene Smith. Sorry we're not starting it off on a happy note. We do have um, some slightly zanier stories for you today. I have a fun one. Okay, let's do I'm, that one I'm going to brighten shit up for you right now because I think we all need it. Wonderful. You guys know I love ship stories. Oh, we love a ship story. We do. We're going to go to St. John's, Newfoundland today. Oh, I have a wonderful friend from St. John's. We love St. John's. So, so the massive overturned hull of what looks to be an ancient ship appeared without warning in the southwest tip of Newfoundland. And I'm going to very quickly show you a picture, Charlotte. Oh, my God. So we're talking kind of ancient. Like, are we talking Viking ancient or, like, pirate? They're working on figuring that out. I'll get to that in a sec. Oh, cool. Okay. What happened was a lady named Wanda Blackmore and her 21-year-old son, Gordon, were the first to see this. Gordon came running into the house on the morning of January 20th, so not too long ago, saying, oh my god, mom, you need to see this ship. There's a huge shadow. We gotta see this. He was out. He was hunting seabirds, and uh, he had been in that spot for a few days and hadn't seen it. And then this one morning, all of a sudden, it was there. Whoa. So once the tide went out, Wanda went out to go see it. And sure as hell, there was this giant, giant shipwreck just there. And can you imagine living somewhere where you can just go out and see an ancient ship in the water and be like, oh, I'm going to go walk up to it and take a look. Dude, that is honestly my dream. I really, like, I fantasize about living by the ocean. Like, Me too. I want that. Desperately. So since then, the ship has had a huge amount of local admirers coming out to take a look at it. Neil Burgess, the president of the Shipwreck Preservation Society of Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, he has some theories about how this thing just showed up. Because you're probably all wondering, how is there no ship? And then suddenly there's an ancient ship there. I'm here for it. So he's saying that there have been a lot of storms, first of all. Oh. And there was a storm. Storm called Tropical Storm Fiona that tore through the area in late 2022. Okay, yes. And it has caused a lot of that area to erode. And of course, it's eroded over time as well. But uh, Tropical Storm Fiona tore apart about 100 homes and it affected the shorelines pretty drastically. And what they're saying that the ship was possibly buried and the action from Fiona dislodged it from where it was. And every time there were more and more storms, it just loosened it up. Oh, wow. That is so cool. So the week before it showed up, there were huge swells. The weather was pretty crazy. And they think what happened was it just kind of got shaken up and brought back to the surface. So... Burgess is saying that he thinks it was built in the 1800s, but that is up for debate. And they're saying, he's saying that it's because of the wooden dowels, the types of nails that they used, and the way that the ship was put together. The hull is about 24 meters long, but that's not all of it. So that is just a part of the ship. It was broken. So they're saying that it is a lot bigger than that. And they think it's made out of oak. And the thing that's crazy about that is they're saying if it is made out of oak, it wasn't built in North America. 
Whoa. So they have no idea where this thing is from, but they have local archaeologists as well as the Maritime History Archive at the Memorial University saying that they have a whole bunch of theories. They're going to be investigating it more. They are trying to figure out, first of all, how old it is and where it's from. It's kind of interesting because if you take, I highly recommend taking a look at this thing because it's pretty friggin' cool. One of the people who was there to take a look at it is an author and diver as well as historian from Nova Scotia named Bob Chalk. And he first heard about this and thought it was bullshit. He's like, this couldn't have happened. This is not real. And then he went out to see it and he's like, holy shit, this is a real thing. He had written a bunch of books about shipwrecks from the Halifax explosion and all sorts of stuff. And he's saying it probably got dismasted and maybe everyone was lost. We don't know. Don't know a thing about it, of course, but it would come in grounded and it's probably just been there for years. Whoa. I wonder if the storm is what stirred it up in the first place. Any bodies or skeletons or what have you that might have been aboard probably washed away a long time ago very much so yeah so they're not gonna I don't think they're gonna find any evidence of people that had been on it but they're saying that the location that the ship is at is going to be very easy to dive in so they're going to be sending people down there which is really cool the really really neat thing and one of my favorite parts of the story is that he is saying it's likely that we're going to see more wrecks coming to shore as the storms increase wow that makes total sense i we're gonna have a look at things that we haven't seen in hundreds of years which is amazing because the types of things that we can find on these ships the treasures and just the history is absolutely unreal and with this one they don't quite know where it came from yet they're hoping to figure that out they have archaeologists that are going to be investigating it further and they're going to get more information but it seems like this thing just showed up out of nowhere and it might not be the last one I think that's so cool. I wonder if we are going to get some mystery solved, you know, where it's like, oh, this ship went missing and it just sailed off and it never showed up again. Is it going to wash up on shore in the next little while because of these storms? Right. And again, this thing is gigantic and it's so like, again, look at the pictures, you guys. It is fascinating. I love ships so much. So this kind of stuff, I get so excited about it. I want to get more information as soon as I can, so I'm hoping to update all of you, but as far as we know, we don't know how old it is, we don't know where it came from, we don't know how it got there, but uh, they have a huge team of people that are going to be working to find out more about it. Amazing. Oh, I love that. And I mean, if you're a fan of Assassin's Creed Black Flag, you'll know that you can send your little ships on missions to, like, Newfoundland and stuff and sail up there. So there were pirates back in the day. Absolutely. And the thing is, it was such a huge trading area that, realistically, this ship could have come from pretty well anywhere. Yes, absolutely. They just know it's not from here. Love it. Okay, cool. I'm going to stay tuned on that one. That's very interesting. I have for you next a Florida woman story. Ooh, I love a Florida woman. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's many Florida women out there that are deserving of this spot on the podcast. <laughs> but this particular one is an older lady. Her name is Bertha. She's 71 years old. She sounds sweet. Um, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She has been accused of trying to kill her husband. Okay. 
after he was sent a postcard from a woman he dated 60 years ago. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, Bertha, Bertha, Bertha Yalter, 71 years old, was arrested after her husband told police she attacked him when he was sent a postcard from a woman he dated 60 years ago. She tried to smother him with a pillow. Oh, oh my god. He was described by police as being extremely fragile and had several serious bruises and open lacerations, including open bite marks that were bleeding. Damn! Yes. They responded to a call they received from a man who claimed his wife was trying to kill him at their home. He explained that she got a little upset when this woman sent a postcard. Now, I've looked through a few different articles. I do not know what the contents of this postcard were. I don't know if they were very innocent. I don't know if they were saucy. I don't know if they were, hey, you have a son you knew nothing about. Like, we don't know. Interesting. What would it have to say in order to cause that reaction like I have so many questions they were married for nearly 52 years when this incident occurred wow some of the footage seemed to be captured on a cell phone which detectives viewed at the scene but it was a little bit inconclusive she allegedly confessed to committing the attack when she was interviewed by police and her attorney seems to be denying claims of an assault saying that they're a couple, they've been married for 51 years, the police are blowing it out of proportion, that the husband says he's completely fine, that he regrets the argument and he regrets what happened. Yeah, I'd regret what happened too. His wife tried to smother him. Yeah, over a postcard. I want to hear from the other lady. I am going to try and keep up with it. She was being held prior to a final bond hearing scheduled for the 1st of February. Now, As of recording, it is the 4th of February, but I couldn't find an update. I'm going to try and stay tuned because I want to know what happens here. The defense are calling it attempted murder. Yes. Her side is arguing that it should be downgraded to domestic battery by way of strangulation. That shouldn't even be a thing. No. And (laughs) she has basically been put under a restraining order. She has been ordered not to be around him. So, yeah, after 52 years of marriage. I mean, that's one way to end a relationship. The thing is, this old flame, um, just to clarify, they've been together 52 years. This particular flame was from 60 years ago. They were not together when this flame allegedly happened, but she did not like the ex contacting him. Jealousy's a bitch. I mean, at that age, too. I feel like at my... (laughs) Even at my age, if, like, an ex of Cody's wrote a postcard, I'd be like, ha ha! Right? Well, especially if it's from, like, a long time ago. Like, It I might mean, just be like, hey, I've moved to the area. I'd love to get together for coffee. I'd be like, yeah, go for it. Who sends a postcard nowadays? So, like, that's my thing. Like, I, mean, I, I don't... I don't know. Let me see this lady. Oh, oh. Okay, let me see. Let me see. The mugshot, she okay. looks pretty rough. Holy I'm not gonna shit. lie. Okay, I don't want to be mean, but, like, that looks like a 70-year-old Bertha. Yes, the, the the mugshot was not kind to poor Bertha, but she did attempt to smother her husband, allegedly. She got evil in her eyes. Look at her. I would not fuck with that lady. Like, that is... I think the mugshot just says, 
and I do it again. It does, it does. She's like, send another postcard, bitch. I dare you. Yeah. I'll come for you next. Call him up. Send a telegram, ho. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that's uh, Bertha. Bertha. Bertha from Florida. We'll keep you guys posted, I guess. Ooh. I have another relationship story for us. Ooh. This is a running theme. Okay. So... You and I both enjoy some of that sweet, sweet jive parsley, don't we? Oh, very, very much right? so. Right. And some of you listening, you might partake as well. And, you know, sometimes you want to eat or sleep or maybe you just want to, like, play Stardew Valley for hours and, like, live your best farm life like Hell I do. Hell yeah, we support it. Now, I don't know about you, Charlotte, <laughs> but I can't say I've ever felt particularly homicidal while enjoying the devil's lettuce? Uh, no, can't relate. Now, I have heard of people having psychotic breaks after having, like, very high amounts, but I have never felt it personally. (laughs) I'm gonna try to get this name right, friends. You know I struggle with this, but I gotta say the same cannot be said for Bryn Speicher. Spetcher? Spetcher. I'm gonna go with Spetcher. I don't know. Anyways, not important. Name's Bryn. Uh, She stabbed her boyfriend a total of 108 (gasps) times, killing him. Oh my goodness, I didn't think I was going to gasp a second time. She then stabbed her dog. Oh, Bryn! And then stabbed herself (gasps) numerous times in the neck before police arrived and stopped her by hitting her over and over with a baton. Oh, My God, I think we can all agree that escalated very quickly. What did dog do? That's not even the most shocking part about this story. So the shocking part about it is her sentence. Oh, God. Which we'll get to in a second. Okay. So what they're saying is that she consumed a marijuana strain with 31.8% THC when she stabbed her boyfriend, Chad Omelia, to death in 2018. She was originally charged with murder. Like, yeah. Yeah. However, prosecutors reduced the charge to involuntary manslaughter after their expert psychologist agreed with defense experts that she was suffering from cannabis-induced psychosis. Wow. So the strain had a warning label indicating it was for, and I quote, high-tolerance users only. The Ventura County Superior Court Judge David Worley ruled that she had no control over her actions. Her lawyer said the defense presented in court was not a con job as some may describe it. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a lawyer. But (laughs) that seems like a bit much for some weed. I, like I said, I've personally never to my knowledge, at a psychotic break while smoking the ganj. Right? Like, I'm um, pretty chill. I'm just dumber. I really have to wonder if it was laced with something, but presumably they would have run, like, a talk screen on her to see what substances she had consumed. Doesn't seem like it was. And the shocking part, there's so many bits and pieces about this that are just crazy. She used to, she was not a big cannabis user. Okay. Clearly. And she said to people, you know, she would be like, I'm so drunk. Like, she'd be one of those uh, girls, like, texting yeah. that a lot. But I love weed and, like, that kind of thing. Okay. And so they're saying, like, okay, well, she definitely has used it. She said that she had an out-of-body experience while this happened. And that she, at one point, just found herself in a pool of blood and that she was zapped awake. That zap was her being tasered. <laughs> so... <laughs> I know. 
Oh, God, it's not funny, but Jesus Christ. Now, the crazy thing about it, like I said, is the sentence. She was originally about to serve four years in prison for this murder. Whoa. I'm going to say, though, to just put your minds at ease, the dog was okay. Oh, thank God the, for that. The dog was her dog. That's kind of like the worst <sighs> thing about it is she's hard of hearing and this was not oh. a service dog, but he was like a dog that was there to help her oh my and God. she stabbed it. Um, but what ended up happening was she was sentenced to two years probation. <gasps> no. And 100 hours of community service. That's our girl right there. Look at that face. Oh, boy. She looks like someone who would say that, like, weed makes her crazy. Look at her. She, yeah. Apparently, they had smoked weed together quite a few times. She said that he forced her to smoke from the bong. She had some. She didn't like it. And he's like, no, you got to try this stronger shit. So she did. And then stabbed him 108 times. That's too many times. That's a lot of times. That's like count to 108. That's a lot. Like that is rage. That is absolutely uncontrollable rage. Yeah, that is killing machine. The really interesting point that people are bringing up about this is she killed someone while using cannabis and the reasoning for her short sentence was this cannabis induced psychosis. And they're saying there are people in jail for possession, for life, just for possession. But she kills someone. And she's getting off on probation, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I feel like, an insane example of privilege, because if you look at her... She is a white woman. Yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those things where I I truly hope this does not set any kind of precedence, but... um, Sorry, which state was this in again? This was in California. Oh, wow. Yeah. The judge said that he is defending his decision that he made regarding her sentence, saying that from that point forward, she had no control over her actions. Yeah, I don't know. Y'all, it's weed. I would want to hear the science, the studies from medical professionals how often this sort of thing happens. And if it is true, how much THC do you have to consume to get to the point where it's riddled your brain? Right. And I mean, at the end of the day, there are certain folks who should stay away from cannabis. We know that uh, people living with schizophrenia are an example. You know, it can cause a lot of those symptoms to become worse. Um, I know even myself, if I'm particularly anxious, I try to kind of stay away from it just because sometimes it does make me more anxious. But to have it put you into this long out-of-body experience where you just black out and stab a guy 108 times, stab your dog and stab yourself. Yeah, because THC is typically not a hallucinogenic. So what happened? Well, it doesn't seem like it was laced with anything. It really just does not make sense. I guess there could be a group of people out there where it just reacts poorly with their brain chemicals and an allergic reaction, if you will. I don't know. I guess. So she has said in regards to the murder to the family of the victim, my actions have ripped your family apart. I am broken and aching inside. I hurt that you will never see him again. His brother replied, it's been five and a half years where she has got to live with her family and we get to live with a box of ashes. 
Yep, I can't fault him for that. Nope. Ugh. So, uh, interesting story out of California. I I just can't say I get it. That is one hell of a fucking lawyer, is what I'm going to say. Yeah. I think about cases like I, Casey Anthony is an example, mm-hmm. you know, someone who has gone free. And yes, she did serve some time while this was all being figured out. She is going to go on probation. She's going to do her 100 hours of community service. But she basically got away with murder. Yep, I would have to agree with you there. Okay, before Dina shares with us the strange and unusual death of the episode, I have just a quick story to share with you that's a local one for us here in Edmonton. It's a uh, Canadian heist. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police are on the lookout for thieves, taxidermy thieves, And they are responsible for stealing a big old polar bear. Oh my god. Yes, he weighs some 500 pounds. He resided at a resort just outside of Edmonton, about 60 kilometers out. He stands 12 feet tall, that's 3.6 meters, and he is believed to have been snatched during the cold snap we had in early January when the temperatures were near minus 30. Now, why is that relevant? It was so cold that the usual nightly security patrols were cancelled. Oh, they planned this. Yeah, they let the security guards stay inside that night, so the public has been asked to keep an eye out for this giant stuffed polar bear. He is from the Lily Lake Resort, according to police, and just to uh, up the ante a little bit, According to investigators, the same resort saw a similar occurrence last August when two taxidermy raccoons were stolen from the property during a break-in. I feel like stealing a raccoon, you just pick it up and run. But, like, how the hell did they get that bear out of there? A 12-foot-tall, 500-pound statue, basically. That's insane. Like, I think back, we covered cocaine bear Pablo Escobar ages ago. Yes. But I think about him in that mall... And I'm surprised no one's stolen him, but I guess, like, this... What is the end result? What are you going to do with that bear? Well, apparently the cost of all three of the animals, the bear and the two raccoons, is approximately 35000 Canadian dollars in worth. But who isn't going to notice, again, I'll repeat myself, a 12-foot-tall, 500-pound real polar bear... In a pawn shop. <laughs> With Valentine's Day right around the corner, I want all of you to keep that in mind. If you do receive a taxidermied <laughs> polar bear, you might want to ask some questions. Yeah, so Wanda Rowe, who is part of the resort, told the newspaper that the thieves cut the cables that secured the bear and dragged it outside where they likely had a vehicle waiting. She believes it 100% had to be planned. <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> Right? Like, I I can't imagine just having a boring night on the security shift and thinking, fuck it, I'm taking the bear. I'm taking him. They don't pay me enough for their shit. I am taking that bear. For those of you who are wondering as well, um, hunting polar bears is legal up north in Canada. It's very highly regulated by environmental officials. 
There's about 16,000 polar bears in Canada, and they're approximately two-thirds of the global population of the species. Polar I say this all the time. I have a fear of bears. I talk about it often. Polar bears are one of the scariest ones. They're so cute, but they will kill you. Yeah, they are the biggest of the bears, and they do not fuck around. I have a friend who lives up north, like far, far, far north in the Northwest Territories, and she works as a nurse. Okay. And she posted recently that there was a warning issued in her small town that she's working in that everyone had to stay indoors because there was a group of polar bears roaming the town. Whoa. And I would die of fear. (laughs) (laughs) My sister has a few friends that live way up north in like Fort Smith up in the Northwest Territories and um, they were saying that often it's common to leave your vehicles unlocked because if you're walking down the street and a bear appears you can at least like hop into someone's vehicle to get out of the way right and that bear will rip the door off so yeah i, mean, I, I mean, wish you luck it's a momentary uh shelter from a humongous animal but yes if you're in the edmonton area and you do know something about our missing friend who i did read is supposed to be called harry harry yeah so harry the polar bear if you do know anything about harry the stolen polar bear and his two friends the raccoons you're encouraged <laughs> to call crime stoppers uh but yeah i will if i hear anything else i'll keep you guys updated Please. as always i hope this does not become an unsolved crime i also strangely enough i hope the three of them are together i kind of hope so too if they don't get returned i hope that they weren't stolen just to have on the black market or something i hope someone is like actually taking care of them in their home right I don't know. I, You know what? I guess we'll find out and see what happens. But I have a feeling that whoever took that bear is going to get a harsher sentence than our uh, weed-loving friend that we just talked about. You know, it wouldn't surprise me in this day and age. <laughs> oh, speaking of surprises... I got one for you. It is time for our latest strange and unusual death. Okay, lay it on me. I know nothing of this going into it, just so you guys know. I grew up with this book. I know a lot of you listening did. It is called Good Night Moon by Margaret Wise Brown. And uh, Good Night Moon has had a lot of different adaptations made out of it. One of them being Go the Fuck to Sleep. Which I love. That's amazing. It is about the author of that book. Okay. So... Margaret Wise Brown, at the age of 42, had nearly 100 children's books to her name, which is huge. Wow. She was traveling in Nice in France, and she fell ill. She went to the hospital and was treated for an ovarian cyst. Okay. The nuns in that hospital loved her, and they got along really well, and everything was fine. You know, they were like, how are you doing? Are you doing well? And she wanted to show them just how well she was doing, so she kicked her foot high in the air from the bed. Okay. As she did, she dislodged a blood clot that was in her leg. (gasps) No! That traveled to her brain and And killed her. Oh my god, no! So that is how the author of Good Night Moon died, which kind of like made me feel it right in the childhood. Like that's pretty freaking sad. And uh, the worst part about it that makes it even worse is her legacy was 
absolutely wasted. <gasps> she had revised her will right before she died. She was very generous and she wanted to take care of her loved ones. So she revised it to leave the copyright to most of her books, including Goodnight Moon, to the eight-year-old son of a friend of hers. Oh, no. However... As that son grew up, he became a drifter who was constantly arrested for petty crimes and drug use because he had a ton of money that he was able to get by living off of the ever-growing royalty checks. Holy shit. Talk about picking the wrong person for your legacy. Yeah, so uh, rest in peace, Margaret Wise Brown. Thank you for all of the beautiful books you wrote that children are falling asleep to even now and that includes the book The Runaway Bunny. Oh, well, she gave it to the wrong kid, but who could really know? Right. So if you do want to show a nun in a hospital how well you're doing, maybe just give them a thumbs up. Just just keep your legs down. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for taking this journey with us today. We hope you learned something new. And if you have any topics you'd like us to cover here on Extra Credit, whether that be an article you read about something grim or something interesting, by all means, send it our way. You can send it to us at thegrimcurriculum at gmail.com, or you can DM us on Twitter or on Instagram or on Facebook. Let us know. We love hearing from you. And it is almost time, uh, hopefully in another couple of months or so, we'd love to do another episode of Grim Encounters. So if you have any stories of ghosts, aliens, the unexplained, or just something overall super weird that you've experienced, again, that is thegrimcurriculum at gmail.com gmail.com we love sharing your stories i love doing those episodes and i can't wait to hear from you yeah and you know what i was thinking the other day for the main show we haven't done a cryptid in a while so if there's a cryptid you guys want to hear about that we haven't covered please send it our way as well our cryptid library it's getting there we got the folk monster yeah. Mothman, Jersey Devil. We've talked about the squonk on extra credit, <laughs> and uh, I want to add to that list. I love me a cryptid. Yeah, I mean, we do have a few on the list already, but we're always looking to add to it. So, yeah, send those our way as well. We are starting to creep up to episode 100. <laughs> we have a huge series planned. I actually just picked up my main source for that series yesterday at the bookstore, Ooh. and I'm very, very excited. It's a book I've wanted to read for a long, long time i'll give you guys a hint it is a big one i can't wait i'm i'm excited but also a little terrified to be honest i can't wait (laughs) (laughs) okie dokie guys well thank you very much for listening to us here today this has been the grim curriculum extra Extra credit. credit